Uh, my name is Brian Carson. Um, I still teach a couple of English classes here at Granite Christian High, and that's how I began. But uh, for the last three years, I have taken the role as interim and summer session coordinator. So uh, I kind of put together our winter semester every year, and I'll talk a lot about you know what we do here, um, you know, and then I'll talk a little bit about you know, why why we love it, and then uh, get some hints uh, or ideas of uh, you know what I would do if I was the one getting things started. I'm actually the third winter coordinator here at Grand Christian High. Uh, our current principal, Brad Mockaby, started it um, 10 years ago. This will be our 10th winter this year. Uh, and then uh, he did it for three years before moving into uh, another administrative role, and Krista Wright um, took over. She did it for three years uh, and then took a principal role in California. And so this is my fourth, so I don't know if I'm failing and I just haven't moved up in the world. or I'm not sure, uh, but uh, this will be my fourth one if you count last year's, which was weird. So, like I said, I'll talk about what we do here. Um, I'll talk about why I genuinely think it is so great for students and, um, you know, talk to them regularly about why it is such an advantage. I'll talk about why our staff and just the greater community, I think, really benefit from it. And then, yeah, what I would do to get things started. So if you're considering a winter program, maybe a few things that I kind of wish we had done or uh, we have since, you know, kind of shifted into. So, uh, start off with, you know, what Winterham looks like at Grand Rapids Christian High School. Um, we begin with, uh, you know, a, a theme verse. Uh, again, I didn't choose this. This has been there for ten years. Um, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And when I talk to students and families, uh, I always project this uh, and talk about how Winterham truly is a place for students to discover their gifts uh, in ways that maybe the regular semester doesn't uh, entirely allow. Um, you know, we can offer things during winterum that, you know, maybe they don't have time in their schedule for. Uh, maybe our school doesn't have, you know, the ability to do for a full semester. Uh, and so, um, you know, this kind of is embedded in everything that we do here at uh, Grand Christian High Winterum. And then I always talk about how Winterham uh, at Grand Christian High is three things. Um, first, Winterham is academic. There will be some folks every year who kind of push back. You know, you get that email from a parent saying, "Wow, you know, it's just Winterham, so we're going to go to Florida," or you know, "Oh, it's you know just Winterham, so we're going to you know uh, do a ski trip because you know we never get to do that as a family." Uh, and there's a pushback in that. Um, and, you know, sometimes those same parents will follow it up with, well, they, they were just going to sign up for, you know, a phys ed style class. Um, you know, my phys ed colleagues would say, hey, this is my core curriculum. Uh, we're actually doing some really fun things that I can't do in the semester. You know, this is academic. Um, and we have other classes which, you know, the rigor, I think, very much so mirrors what they do in the semester. And so when we bring in guest instructors, when I talk to our staff, um, you know, I always talk about, it might look a little different, you know, maybe uh, we don't assess things in the same way, but it's very much academic. Winterham is faith formation. Um, we have ways of, you know, talking about faith in our Winterham classes, again, that, you know, come out in different ways than in our regular semester classes. We're bringing in guest instructors. Some of them are, we've had local pastors come in and teach courses, you know, that are a little bit different than our, you know, normal Bible and theology classes. Uh, and so 
when we put together classes, just like all of our other classes, we're kind of reminding our staff, um, you know, and our guest instructors, this is a big part of who we are, and it should continue in this two-week semester as well. Um, and then, and my favorite part about it, Winterham, is community. Um, I love telling freshmen, you're going to be in a class with seniors. You know, and that's fun. Uh, that's going to be a little bit different than what you're used to. Uh, we send, and I'll talk about the branches of Winterham here in a moment, we send students traveling and all different grade levels. Uh, and so they're meeting people that they normally wouldn't spend time with. Um, our Winterham courses and some of our, you know, kind of all-day opportunities or trips are getting out into the community, the greater community, in ways that we never do. Because field trips are so hard to organize. Uh, you know, sometimes it's tough to, you know, get out for a half a day because they're missing other classes. And Winterham gets, gets students out. And that might be just seeing the community and, and kind of learning from it, or it might be serving the community. And so whenever we think about Winterham, you know, I always bring up these three things. So that's guest instructors, or whenever someone comes to me with like a big Winterham idea, uh, you know, this is kind of the checklist, right? Does it meet these, these three standards? And if so, let's explore it. Uh, I've already talked a lot about Winterham. Maybe I should, you know, define it. Um, our Winterham here at Grand Christian High, and they look different depending on, you know, the institution. We are not the only school, obviously. There's maybe some of you who have it. And we weren't even the first, uh, you know, we kind of touched with a, a few other schools when we got started. We run it as a two-week semester every January. Um, I was just saying, you know, before a lot of you walked in, when we first decided to do Winterham 10 years ago, uh, when Brad first was the one who kind of, uh, you know, put the, the framework together, there was a big discussion, do you do it in January, do you do it at the end of the year, you know, before summer break? We ended up choosing January. And I think the main reason for it was just a little fear that, like, end of the year, how much buy-in is there going to be? Are, are students going to be kind of cashed out by then? You know, that was more of a concern. So we opted for that two weeks after Christmas. And the huge unintended consequence that I think now would be the hardest thing to give up, we now finish first semester before Christmas break. You don't get that, what used to be for us, that weird two to three weeks of okay, we're going to review and then take an exam on something you read in December that, you know, maybe isn't as fresh in your mind. Um, coming back after December and looking forward to whether it's a trip or an internship or, a, you know, a class that you're really fired up about is so fun. And I feel like second semester starts off just with a, a real renewed energy. Um, you know, you got that kind of transitional uh, period between the two semesters. That's just awesome. Winterham for us here at Grand Christian High is a graduation requirement. Um, so every year you attend here, you need to have a Winterham on your transcript, um, which gets back to that Winterham is academic portion of things. Um, you just have to do it. And so the parent who does call and say, oh, sorry, we, we booked the trip to Disney World, and, you know, that's fine, it's just Winterham. Well, then we have a framework for credit recovery, uh, you know, that we require because this is a part of our school year and it's a part of what we do here and we believe in it. And so you don't get to opt out of it, um, just like any other class. Um, that credit recovery, you know, we have a, and it, I will say, happens very rarely. Um, you know, maybe once a year you'll kind of get that parent who calls and, you know, says, oh, we're thinking this. And when I explain to them, no, like, you, you know, it's a graduation requirement, there's credit recovery. More often not, they say, oh, well, then we'll just schedule it during Christmas break, and, and there's no issue. Um, so we have students uh, that either need to take an online course, uh, and, you know, we found that Coursera is a great alternative. 
back in our COVID year last year, we kind of leaned into them a little bit, even to make some offerings. Um, we'll have students who sometimes do community service, you know, as a way of kind of saying, all right, you know, I maybe would have done a service winter room. Let me kind of sub that out. Uh, or we'll have students take our summer session classes. So they're doing something to kind of replace that. And again, it's very rare. Uh, last thing I'll, I'll just mention, and I will get to it again later, um, our winter room, uh, we allow students to have all kinds of freedom, except for the ninth graders, simply because we don't know who they're going to be, you know, before they show up here, so they can't have all the same opportunities. And we also have a mandatory ninth grade class, and I'll talk about that a little bit more um, as we kind of roll through the slideshow. When, I, when we talk about winter room here at Grammar's Christian, I, I used to always say there are three branches of winter room. Um, COVID forced us to get a little creative, and so now we have a fourth branch of Winterum. Uh, I'm going to walk through each of these uh, individually, but um, the majority of our classes, are, our students are taking courses here on campus, and I'll kind of break that down. We'll have, this year, 30% of our students traveling. Now, that's exceptionally high, I think, because last year nobody traveled. That, you know, we kind of got this, this boom um, we'll have often, you know, a, a good chunk of our students do an internship during this time. And then the new one, which I'll talk about, is uh, we call it the college visit experience. So I'll go through each of these independently. And feel free at any point to ask a question, by the way. So um, courses, even that, we kind of split. Most of our students will take courses that we offer here on campus. Uh, we run our two-week semester. Um, and we kind of split the day in half. So all students will take two courses. They'll do one in the morning from 8.20 to 11.20, and then they'll do one in the afternoon from 11.50 to 2.50. And so they're three-hour classes, and they'll do two of those. But I always tell staff, you know, you got a great idea, give it to me. And so sometimes the staff will say, I really want a full-day course. We'll say, great, in which case a student might take a full-day course, 820 to 250, or, yeah, 820 to 250, and that'll be their, their choice um, for winter. Um, so majority of our students take those, um, and then we do offer uh, or partner with Cornerstone University. Uh, and so we'll have students who will dual enroll for winter, and I'll talk more about that in one second. When it comes to our courses here on campus, uh, my goal as the winter room coordinator is to just try to make that as wide and varied, you know, so our students have every option available. Uh, at the end of every winter room, I send out a form and say, what do you wish was here? And some really good ideas have come up. Uh, the last two years, we brought in a local um, Taekwondo instructor because I just kept getting requests for, I wish there was like martial arts or something. I was like, oh, well, that should be something we can find. Um, you know, students say, I wish there were more art classes or I wish we could travel here. Um, so... My goal is always to make that uh, catalog as expansive as possible, and you've got one in front of you, and, uh, or you might, or they're in the back. Um, and so that's kind of our goal. And then to try to get a balance. Um, you know, we want some that are a little more rigorous, uh, some that, you know, for some of our students, to be honest, winter is a little bit of a break from really intense kind of rigor classes that they're feeling overwhelmed with, and so we want to give them a place where it feels more fun, um, although, again, still kind of high expectations. Uh, and then, you know, we want some that are a little more faith and service based. We just want to kind of cover all those bases. Um, oh, video cannot be loaded. I tested it before we started. Let me try the other one. Let me try to refresh. I do got some videos here. 
and I was going to show you. So there it shows. Let's try it again. Um, I just mentioned the Taekwondo one. Maybe I'll just do it this way. Uh, sorry, it's a little smaller than would be ideal. You know, this room is a bit of a black hole. Yeah, this is bad room. I know. <laughs> I tested it right before you all came in. Well, I'll talk about it. Um, we had a student last year who, uh, actually, I, have, I, I generally will have two or three Winterim interns work with me, and their job will be to capture Winterim. Uh, and so they'll go off, and they'll take photographs and put together videos. And so we had an extremely talented student last year uh, put together a 19-minute video um, where he just highlighted several different courses. And if it worked, I would show you what he did with our Taekwondo instructor. Um, and so we had this, his name is Grandmaster Good. He is awesome. Um, he uh, came in. By the end of the two weeks, uh, I think half the students were yellow belts. They had the opportunity to go out one evening and get tested, um, you know, and, and kind of, they had enough to do that. Um, he brought in judges on the final day, so even those that didn't get their belt ended up with a certificate of completion. Uh, it was just awesome. And so 24 students signed up for that, and, you know, it was so successful. We got 24 students already signed up for it again next year. Um, the second video I was going to show, um, which again, I'm so disappointed in this. And now, oh, everything's freezing. Um, I think it took place in this room, maybe. Uh, but one of our science teachers put together one called Playing with Fire. Uh, and it was really saying, all right, you know, we, we do all this stuff in science class, but sometimes our labs are a little bit limited. You know, you can only do so much in, you know, 70 minutes. What if we had three hours? And so, I mean, they were doing stuff that was a little bit, you know, kind of more fun and sciencey, uh, you know, a little bit crazier in terms of labs. They went to Calvin for a few days and used some of their equipment there. Uh, and so, again, the hope is to show that video. But hearing students were really into science saying, all right, I spent three hours a day doing the kinds of labs that I really like in my normal science classes, but now they're just expanded versions of those. We'll see. Maybe one of the other ones will work. Um, so those are kind of the courses. Any questions on that? Maybe I'll pause for a second. Do they actually get grades in their transcripts then? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. So um, the way we decided to do Winterim, and I love this, and I'll mention it again in a little bit, um, all of our courses, all of our experiences, travel, internships, classes, college visit, it's all pass-fail. Uh, what I love about that is I talk to students and say, you can choose something that might seem a little bit terrifying to you. Maybe it's something you're not great at. Maybe, maybe you like art, but you are not good at it, and so you taking an art class, you know, second semester is, is scary, because you're like, I don't want to get that B plus that's going to make my 4.0 GPA look bad. Take it during winter. Go and draw terribly for two weeks. Hopefully by the end, you draw a little bit better than when you started, um, and then you know that because you put in the time and energy and effort, you're going to pass that winter class. Um, same with that science one, you know, maybe you just, or we, our AP Calc teacher will do one, um, which is AP Calc Prep. And those students, some of them are petrified of the grade they're getting in AP Calc right now. Well, for Winterim, they're actually hopefully improving that semester grade, but they're, they're also not worried about, you know, the two weeks there, you know, kind of negatively impacting them. So, all pass-fail. We do have a rubric that we use for that. Um, it's kind of based on attendance and... Uh, you know, how much are you kind of putting in the time and energy? We do encourage some, you know, formative assessments along the way so that you can say, like, hey, are you kind of keeping up with what we're asking you to do? 
Uh, but in the end, yes. And over the last three years that I've been doing it, the number of students who have failed Winterim is very few. And it's usually because they signed up with their friends and made a terrible choice and were in something that they really didn't want to be in and then put in very little effort. Um, so, um, one last thing that I'll mention, um, and I have to jot it down. Our staff will only offer one class per day. And so, you know, I'll talk about why it's great for staff uh, in a little bit, but um, that way they can maybe teach in the morning and then use the afternoon to kind of prepare for the next day and hopefully have a little bit of time to get ready for that second semester that's coming up. Uh, and so we bring in a lot of guest instructors to, to fill in the gap there. Life Together is uh, that mandatory freshman class that I mentioned. Um, the reality is we uh, register for winter and based on seniority. So seniors get first crack, juniors get second crack, sophomores. By the time it gets to freshmen, it is a little bit limited. And so part of this is our way of saying, well, let's put together a really great freshman experience, uh, you know, and they don't have to worry about fighting for that. Uh, part of it is also because freshmen can't travel, and I'll talk about travel in a bit, but we register for that, you know, the year prior, and we just don't know who's going to come. Um, they can't do internships in part because, you know, sending 14-year-olds off into the work world didn't seem maybe like they were quite ready for that. Um, and, you know, we, the, the, some of the classes that normally we would kind of offer, it gives us the ability to offer those in the morning time slot so that freshmen, you know, don't have access to them. And so Life Together is our freshman class. All 170 or whatever of our freshmen um, do it. It's evolved over the years. Uh, and I think we're at a place now where our freshmen really like it. Uh, we'll do some community building activities. You know, we'll get in the gym and do a bunch of games and activities and, um, you know, just hopefully they get to know each other a little bit better. Uh, here at Grand Christian High, we have 40-plus different middle schools coming together, and so I'm sure they've gotten to know each other first semester, um, but it's another touch point. We do two service days during life together. So each Wednesday during winter, the freshmen head off into the community, um, and they go kind of with a homeroom that they've kind of been assigned to, and they go off and serve. We do do a day where we watch a film in our CAW and have kind of conversation about that. Um, we often just schedule a fun day. And so we've done the trampoline park. Uh, last year we went to Meyer Gardens. We try to find a way to get them off campus and just, hey, go and play and, and connect with people in your class that maybe you've met over the last, you know, five or six days. And then the rest of it, we set up kind of like CEA. Um, we put together a whole bunch of different sessions and we allow them to go and pick which sessions they're interested in so they feel like they got some choice. We have a few mandatory sessions that we want every freshman to hear. So we have uh, you know, um, done one on uh, how to be a social justice seeker, and we'll bring in Julian Newman, who's kind of uh, someone who comes here and speaks about you know, race and diversity, and, and he'll kind of talk to every freshman. Um, we bring in Safe Haven to talk about relationships. So there's a couple mandatory ones there. Our counselors love it. Um, they offer a mandatory section, session where they have the freshmen do some of the testing and things that they want them to have kind of you know, done, and they don't have to pull them out of all different classes in order to do that. And then our Life Together staff will put together the other four or five, and students will get some options there. And what we, we try to do is say, what do we want our, our freshmen to all know before they, you know, head off into their you know, later classes. And so it might be about study skills or growth mindset 
Um, our tech coaches, you know, will sometimes say, we want to do one on, like, digital literacy, or, you know, maybe it's just one year, I think we had one, it's like, how do you navigate, you know, all these Google tools that you have, that as freshmen, we just haven't had time to, you know, teach you individually, and so, um, like together, that's uh, the freshman one. Is that one full day then, or is it? No, nope, that one's just morning, so freshmen then get the afternoon to kind of pick whatever class possible, and so I try to have more options in the afternoon, you know, and so they're fighting a little bit with the upperclassmen there. By the way, our most popular freshman afternoon class, we partner with the official driving school, and they'll come in, and they'll do driver's training. It will fill up in three seconds. In fact, we just keep on offering more. Um, and parents, love, I mean, it is like the dream. Like, I don't have to drive my kid to driver's training for two hours at night. And official driving school loves it. They actually give our families a $90 discount um, because they don't have to do any work. They're just like, great, we just show up here, teach the classes, every single day of winter and there's just cars going everywhere after school, before school, like 5 a.m. You know, there's kids zipping all over the place. Um, and so it's amazing. Um, as I said, we do our classes here. We also partner with Cornerstone University. Um, Cornerstone offers a J-term that aligns the same two weeks as our winter. And so a number of years ago, uh, you know, I met with their J-term person and said, hey, is there, some, is there some way we could kind of work together here? And they were so excited. I mean, to get students just to go to their campus and spend two weeks, they said, you can have it, you, you know, we'll set it up for you, it's free, we're not going to charge anybody anything. Um, and so we will have a handful of students, and this year we offered four different uh, Cornerstone classes. Um, what they'll do is they'll usually build a class or two just for Grand Rapids Christian High kids, and then if it doesn't fill, they'll backfill it with a few, you know, Cornerstone kids. And then they'll offer us a few of their full Cornerstone J-term offerings. They'll just reserve maybe five to seven seats. And then, you know, if we don't use those, then they'll backfill them with Cornerstone kids. Um, it, what's amazing to me, and it honestly took me a couple of years to wrap my head around how great this is, and I can't believe it doesn't overfill every year, Cornerstone gives full college semester credit for their two-week courses. So they run like four hours a day, and they're you know pretty intensive. Um, but we'll have students this year take Making of the Modern World. It is a history credit where if they end up going to the University of Michigan or Calvin or Hope, they walk in and say, no, I've got history 101, or you know, I've got a history level course. And I did it in two weeks. Uh, and so, you know, when I'm talking to students, I'm like, you are saving money. You are, you know, getting a, an amazing experience. Like, what a thing to put on your transcript to say, I've already got a college-level course. Um, you know, obviously, transferable everywhere. You don't have to go to Cornerstone for this to be valuable. And so that's been a real benefit. And if you're local and you uh, start up a winter program, we'd love a partner because I think we could get more of these, uh, you know, if we just had more students who are partnering with Cornerstone. And they're very excited about it. Are they building state reimbursement for that for dual enrollment like they can get for anything else? Is that how they're getting the funding? I believe so. Okay. I remember that, that conversation sense. happening that and me saying, sense. hey, however you take care of it is good okay. for me. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Okay. It's really nice for us, too. I mean, selfishly, then it frees up our winter dollars, you know, for other classes, too. It's like, oh, okay, you're just going there and, and doing your thing. Speaking um, of interim dollars, what is the budget? 
We do have, uh, yes, a very, uh, you know, from the beginning our school committed to this. And so um, our budget has kind of changed depending on the year and how much we use. Um, but we have a pretty extensive budget for financial aid for travel. Um, so it's in the twenty dollars to $25,000, like, you know, support. And I'll talk a little bit about travel and how that works in a minute. Uh, and then we budget, it, we budget, you know, uh, a significant portion for guest instructor stipends. And so we pay our guest instructors blanking right now. It's 825, whatever that is, divided by 30. It's like 27.50 an hour, I think, um, you know, because they're coming in and bringing their expertise, and some of them are taking time off work um, to come and teach these courses. Then we budget roughly $30 per student for each class they take. Now, I say roughly. I mean, we have some classes that are like, I don't need a budget, you know, I got my classroom, and I, you know, we're going to be doing lots of cool stuff here, so, you know, don't worry about that. And then someone else will say, I'm doing all these labs and I need all this stuff and I don't want to pull it out of the science you know, budget. So one class might spend 50, one might spend 10. They average out to be roughly 30. And I try to you know, let staff know that. Is it part of the faculty contract to teach a winter? It is, yeah. And so our faculty are expected to teach one winter. Um, if they teach a second one, then they get the guest instructor stipend, which a number of our staff do including Life Together. So a lot of our staff love it. They're like, I'll teach in the afternoon, then I'll do Life Together in the morning, and I get a, you know, a little stipend, and I get to meet some freshmen. and um, So that's really great. What size do you like to get a staff? We, so it, it, we shoot to try to create roughly you know, 15 to 18 you know, student homerooms. Okay. So it depends on, obviously, the size of the freshman class. Um, so we've kind of run with like 10 to 12 most years. And it's a little flexible. Uh, the nice part about Life Together, let's say our French teacher, I'll use her as an example, offers a class you know, on French culture, which she often does. This year it filled, and that's awesome. Last year it didn't. Well, then we just say, all right, your class didn't fill. You've got to be doing something during winter. You're now in the Life Together staff. And so that was the other fringe benefit of Life Together. It solved the problem of what do you do with staff who suddenly have nothing to do you know, we're not just going to send them home and say, sorry, you just forfeited part of your paycheck. Um, it gives them kind of an option. Since you do a budget now, I was going to ask you this question later. What's, like, so you coordinate yeah. full-time? Are you teaching? Sorry, I came in a few minutes later. Yeah. You said this at the beginning. No, no problem. So I still teach two English classes per semester, and then I also coordinate our summer session um, program. So my contract is kind of all of that put together. And then you have other staff with you outside of the teaching staff we talked about that um, so works under Winterham? Carolyn Grundyke, who uh, is uh, in our, she's our athletic department secretary, but she also um, you know kind of works alongside me. I feel weird saying she's my assistant, but I think that's what she would call herself. Uh, and I, I, that's just kind of part of her role as kind of that extracurricular you know secretary in the athletic office. Rebecca Paulette, um, she does not do a winterum because she oversees our interns, and so she does a lot of work during the semester prior. You know, she'll hold focus periods and have kids kind of submit forms, and she'll make sure everybody knows what they got to do. And then during winterum, she'll do some of the internship visits, um, and I'll talk to intern. I'll talk to internships in a minute here. She teacher. She is. Yeah, she's one of our history teachers. And so what percent during the, the year is she teaching and working on winterum? She is a full-time teacher. It just becomes her winterum responsibility. So when she's working during the semester on getting internships, she's still teaching full-time? She is. It's, you know, okay. I think they plan it so that it's her lighter of the two semesters. Okay. Uh, but yeah, she just it becomes her winterum responsibility, not her teaching responsibility. 
And that's the same with Sherry here. Sherry is our Life Together coordinator. So when it comes time, and we'll just meet a lot about that, but when it comes time to deciding, you know, okay, which staff do we need? What courses are we going to offer? You know, we'll kind of have those conversations. And then that becomes her course, which is bigger than a normal course, but then she's got all the, you know, teachers kind of doing their pieces. So Sherry doesn't teach a Life Together section, although she subs, you know, from time to time. Um, she oversees kind of putting that whole package together. So yeah, there's a little bit of a crew. And then we have a winter committee, um, which is just kind of one of their committee responsibilities. Thank you. You bet. Next branch of Wintrum, you can see how I'm doing here. Oh, I gotta pick it up a little bit, uh, is travel. I won't talk a ton about it other than um, we have sent kids to, you know, all but one continent now over the last 10 years. <coughs> gotta get to Antarctica eventually, I guess. Um, we try very hard to make sure that our trips geographically, you know, are varied. We try very hard to make sure that our trips, in terms of their focus, like some are just cultural experience. Some of them are very discipline focused. You know, we've had students do like full on science trips. Some of them are pure service. Uh, I guess it's never pure service, it's also cultural. But um, so we try to make sure we have a big mix of trips. And so, you know, there's a brochure back there of, of the last, some of our year's offerings. Then we pitch them to students. Um, staff are very much in charge of kind of proposing their own trips, and that becomes their winter responsibility if it fills. Uh, and then the last thing we do is we try to get a range of price points. Um, travel is the one thing that I think some people in the community, you know, I will say, there are some people in the community that are most excited about it. I think we have people who have come to Grand Expedition High just for Winterham, and for some of them, the idea that their students can travel is a huge part of that. We also have some critics who say, hold on, this is an equity issue, and that's why we always want to make sure we've got, you know, we've definitely got some high-end trips, we've got some trips that are more affordable, and that's why we have the financial aid available to students, too. And so when I talk to students, I say, we like to think that everyone can travel at least once in their four years of winter. For some of you, that might mean thinking as a freshman, how am I going to start preparing for my senior year? And I mean, we've got students, you know, going who I think would have thought Wintrum travel is a total dream, um, but they, yeah, they just kind of put away a little bit of money. Um, they got some financial aid. Um, our thrift store actually offers students shifts so they can work there and earn some money. Um, and so, you know, all that together, uh, you know, it's pretty impressive that I, I genuinely think if students like just sure they want to travel, uh, it's probably something that is possible. <coughs> Internships, um, again, this is so great. I sometimes wonder if this should become a mandatory part of Winterham because it's that valuable. Um, I always say if, if or when my daughter eventually comes to Grand Rapids Christian High, you know, she'll do an internship junior year because I just think it's so great. Um, you go off into the community, spend time with, you know, a career that you're interested in. I tell students, like, the hope is that you come away going, I love this so much, I can't wait to study it, and then you get to put it on that application, and the college says, oh, you want to be an engineer, and you spent two weeks being an engineer? Yeah, you can come here. But the other thing, and I, I say this all the time, sometimes you go off and do it, and you come back saying, man, I thought I wanted to be a nurse, and I, I did not have any fun for those two weeks. I'm so glad I didn't, you know, spend the first year of nursing school you know, trying to figure that out. Uh, and so internships is, you know, a big part of what we do here. Um, generally, we have about 100 to 125 interns every year. Um, I don't know why. This year, maybe it's like COVID and 
challenges, but we're down to you know roughly 50, but I'm guessing that'll bounce back at some point. We are very much in the philosophy that students are responsible for going out and getting internships. Um, it's part of that like responsibility. You go out and you know kind of make those connections. But Rebecca Paulette, who's been now kind of overseeing it for years, she's got this huge list. So the student comes and says, I really want to do an engineering one. My parents don't know any engineers. She can say, well, here's four that we know have had interns in the past. Here's their email addresses. She has like a form email that students can like, you know, tweak so that it sounds very professional and hopefully at least give them some, you know, doors to open. Uh, the fourth one, and I said this was literally born out of COVID and the fact that last year we needed more students off campus um, purely for social distancing, is the college visit experience. Um, our counselors kind of dreamed it up. They said, wouldn't it be great if students could just use two weeks visiting schools that they're thinking about? I think for our juniors, that would be so helpful. And so last year, we ended up with 90, I think, students who ended up choosing this option. Um, the counselors built a really phenomenal program for this. Students had to visit eight different schools. They have a whole note sheet. It's like four pages of information they collect during their visits. They write a reflection when all is said and done. Um, I think, and they had to, um, the counselor said, and you need to log 40 hours. Um, and so between, you know, travel time, it's pretty easy to get to the 40, but last year there were some that did, you know, five virtual visits. And so any student who was short on the 40, well, then go do some scholarship research. Use the time to write a scholarship. Basically, they have all kinds of things that you can do, which is, hey, like, college prep. Um, the, result, or the, uh, the reviews were unbelievable. Students were just, this is so great. Uh, I always tell the story. Um, we had a senior last year. She had already narrowed her choices down to four. She signed up for it, thinking, well, I, I want to go visit those four campuses. And we said, well, you have to do eight. She says, well, I don't, I'm down to four schools. Why would I do four random schools? And we said, well, I'm sorry. That's just kind of what we built, and it's our first year, so just do that. <laughs> she came back, and one of the four schools that she just randomly visited, she's like, I just applied for it. I just loved it. I'm going. And we're like, oh, okay, good. We're going to keep doing eight. Um, you're now the reason that we're going to use. Every time someone says, why do I have to do eight? We get a little creative if a student comes and says, I have an internship, um, but they can only offer me 25 hours okay, then do four colleges, let's partner those things together and let's kind of you know, create a bit of a hybrid experience for you. Um, we did this year, and you'll see it in the catalog also, our counselors love this so much, but they realized there was some equity issues here, some students can't get to schools, so they actually just created the college visit experience local colleges tour as an afternoon class, and they're gonna you know, get kids to Calvin and Hope, and they're gonna go to Lansing one day, and um, you know, some of the local schools, Davenport, that kind of stuff. All right, I'm going to totally run out of time, so pardon me in advance for going quickly. Why is it great for students? Um, this is the slideshow that I show our freshmen during their freshman skills every year. Um, and I really just say, what do you want to be when you grow up? You should be thinking about that now. You don't have to decide now. You're 15. Like, you know, you don't have to have that picked. But you should start thinking, what doors do I want to open for this? And then I always talk about, you know, because what do colleges want? And when I teach my college application essay workshop, I, I, I use the same list. Yes, GPA is very important. Test scores are very important. But when it really comes down to especially highly selective schools, there's a lot of 4.0, you know, perfect ACT scores out there. You've got to set yourself apart. And 
I genuinely believe Winterim is like the cheat code. It's the leg up on so many other high school students across the country. You can tell a college, you know, hey, I'm going into your engineering program. I've already spent two weeks at an engineering firm. I took this class, which is engineering focused. You know, I have a passion for chosen study. Right? Or, hey, look, in four years of Winterim, I did this art class. I did this engineering course. I did the science class. Like, I just, I just love learning. And when I work with students on their college application essays, well, the first question I say is, what have you done for Winterim for the last four years? And I would say almost half of students wound up writing about Winterim in some way, shape, or form. Um, and so when I talk to our freshmen, I would say, so you should be using this, right? Like, you should be kind of selfish here. Consider your future. Again, you're not going to decide it now, but what doors do you want to remain open? Um, Start thinking about the applications. What are you going to want to write about? What kind of experiences do you want to put on there that, you know, maybe other students don't have the ability to put on there because they don't have a similar program? And then pick selfishly. Um, you signing up with five of your friends for something is just dumb. Um, and it's great because then the freshmen, like, I think they come away going, okay, uh, that's what he told me to do, so that's what I'm going to do. Um, and then challenge yourself. And that's where the pass-fail thing comes in. Take a class that like terrifies you, and you know that is going to be really hard for you, and you might really struggle with it, but that's okay. You're going to pass. You know that's totally fine. Uh, we have students who will go and sign up for Cornerstone, and they might not have the greatest grade in the Cornerstone class, and you know that's that's okay. Um, but they you know did a college level class, and they feel suddenly like okay, now I need to know what study skills are going to you know prepare me for the next stage, and they get a pass for our winter. So, um, this is kind of what I talk about in terms of why it's so great for students. Yeah? Question on that. Do they, they fail the college class? Or do they, uh, they don't. Oh, yeah, we haven't had students fail the Cornerstone class okay. yet. But there's a few that, like, they're like, that was way harder than I thought. You know, maybe I got, like, a B minus, and I'm usually an A student. Okay. And, like, yeah, that was good. But you took a college class in two weeks. Like, that's awesome. So, you know, you're ready. Um, why Learn is great for staff and community. Some of our staff love the trap. Um, I led a number of trips before I became coordinator. Uh, I went a couple times to Jamaica and lived in a deaf community. I'm, I got to know students in a very different way than I ever do in my classroom. Uh, I think that's why some of, some of our staff are like, I never want to travel with high school students. That's fine. But some just say, I just come back and the relationships are so much different. Um, it's just unbelievable. Uh, and, you know, for some of our staff, it's like, I can go anywhere in the world for two weeks, and as long as students sign up with me, and, and so it's, you know, selfishly, they just love the ability to travel. It's a different kind of class, a different kind of class structure, and again, the pass-fail thing is huge, so you can really kind of, like, set the bar high and know that, like, hey, it's okay, as long as you guys are working really hard. Our staff sometimes totally surprise me. You know, our art teacher taught a class on how to, you know, tie flies. I'm like, oh, so you're, like, big into fishing, and that was a passion that maybe I didn't know about before. One of our new English colleagues is teaching an art course. Why should that only be the art teacher? She loves to paint. She actually does it all the time. She's going to, you know, offer something outside of her normal kind of, you know, expectations. And so I think for staff, it's a way to showcase some of those passions. And then students get to see those, too, which is so great. Um, again, video is broken. Um, this one, I wish they all showed. This is a new course that we actually piloted in Winterham. We're doing gone boarding now. 
Um, it's kind of a, I don't know, I guess it's gaining popularity across the country. Students sign up for this class. Um, they, in two weeks, will have built um, a skateboard, uh, uh, snowboard, sorry, I'm blanking, and uh, um, uh, surfboard. And not only did they build those things and learn the engineering skills, they went out and you know did some of those things. And because it was such a hit during Winterham, although that was kind of the plan ahead of time that we're hoping it would be, it's now become a full semester course. I think in that first week they only built the skateboards, and now they build all three. Um, so this would have been a video showing you how that looks like. You want these videos? It's on our website. Um, community partners. Um, obviously, you know, we have classes that go off into the community, and some of them go every day. Um, one of my, you know, favorite finds, uh, we had a former student who was a police officer, and one time I just reached out and said, hey, is there any way you'd be interested in teaching a class? I don't know if that works. And he forwarded me to someone in his department, and now we have students that go down to GRPD every single day and do police academy. Um, the first year, only a few signed up, and I was like, I can't believe this. Well, they loved it so much, the next year it overfilled, and this year we've got students on the waiting list. I mean, they're driving robots, they gear them up, you know, they get to try stuff on, they put them in simulations, and the GRPD loves it because they're always looking for touch points with high school students, you know, like, let's reach into the community. And so it's another class where it doesn't touch my budget, we literally just, like, ship them there, and both sides are very happy with that. For those types of things, do you have busing, or are they expected to find their way there? Yeah, for all of our winter experiences, um, our, our transportation coordinator, he just makes it happen, which is amazing to me. So we have a form they fill in, and so if you're uh, you know, just teaching a course and you want to get out for a day, you fill in the form and say, I need to leave at you know, 8.30, I'd like to be back at 11, and somehow, magically, that all works. Um, and then... For those ones, they just fill out that full. I just actually fill that out for GRPD and say they're going to leave every day at 820. They're going to come back at this time. And so they just go back and forth. The only one we don't do that for is Cornerstone. Um, we kind of put right on there. The expectation is if you sign up for one of the dual enrollments, you're going to get to campus and you're going to get home. Is your staff member whose sole responsibility is transportation for living? No, he's just our busing coordinator. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So he does the busing for all field trips and, okay. yeah, for our whole district, actually. So. Um, do you kind of critique the places that you're sending kids as far as it being a Christian school or representation such? Do you critique the places where they go or not necessarily? We do, yeah. Uh, the only I mean, internships is the one place where we, we you know, definitely talk to students about that. Um, but, you know, we don't meet with every single intern post. But I do meet with every community partner and guest instructor. Um, and so... Yeah, all of our guest instructors are asked that question. You know, what is your faith background? You know, how are you going to use that in your course? GRPD is one of those ones that the, the partner, you know, Officer Snyder, he, you know, goes to a local church. He's like, I'm so excited about this. This is great. But he says, but just so you know, we will be teaching this, you know, kind of from an objective perspective. And, you know, I think it's a great opportunity. And so that's awesome. Uh, but most of our guest instructors, they're super excited about the fact that they can weave their faith into what they're teaching. So, I mean, we have a, I have a friend of mine, he's a local artist. He loves it. He comes in for two weeks and teaches portrait drawing, um, and he'll have just unbelievable faith conversations with kids. Our Taekwondo guy, he just he was so excited about the possibility of teaching these classes and, you know, talking. He, he just tells a lot of stories um, about his faith journey. Um, we have this uh, great new community partner, last couple of years, 
he runs outdoor programming. So he comes in and teaches a class in the great outdoors. Students can get their hunter safety through him. Um, but he just loves talking about stewardship, and you know, this is why as Christians we should we should love to be out in nature and you know having some great conversations there. Um, so yes, we do. We meet with all of them, and you know, it's a big part of the interview process. Again, just wish videos were working. Sorry, folks. The, uh, just one more question. Yeah. So the things that you decided on to offer to the kids, did you do like a survey prior to that? To, to decide the offerings that you wanted to have? or Our staff, you know, submit proposals. Um, it's very rare that I go to a staff member and say, whoa, what are you thinking here? Um, our staff, I think, know kind of what winter is about. And they've learned over the years what, you know, really works well and what doesn't. Sometimes there'll be overlap. So if I end up with, like, one year I had four staff member offer a cooking course. I'm like, uh, you got a backup plan because there's only so much kitchen space. Um, and that's just... Too much cooking going on. <laughs> Guest instructors, I do. I'm always looking to kind of fill holes. So at the end of every winter, I'm going to send out a survey to students. And one of the questions is always, like, what would be your dream winter in course? And if I see one that pops up a few times or one that just, you know, catches my eye, then I'll just start cold calling. So the type one, I just called, like, a whole bunch of martial arts, you know, places and said, hey, you know, we've got this program. I'm wondering if this would be interesting to you. And then... Found Grandmaster Good, who, you know, was super excited about it. Um, so, yes, go out and kind of seek those things. All right. I think I'm nearing the end here, so I'm just going to quickly say, as I said, I'm the third winterm coordinator, and no criticism to the people before me, but I think over the last 10 years, there's a few things that I kind of wish would have happened from the start, having done a bunch of winterms as a teacher and trip leader and now as coordinator. And so I'll just share those now and... The big thing is, if you ever have questions, just zip me an email. I actually meet with winter, or not, like I Zoom with or email with winter coordinators a lot, I feel like. I would plan a full year out, um, and I think that maybe would have to happen, but I would, you know, I wouldn't be like, all right, we're going to do winter in this January. I mean, I would almost like really prep your staff ahead of time. And the reason for that is, I kind of wish. I had every staff propose two classes every single year, and so that I would have a little more freedom and flexibility. And then I really think that staff, and a number of staff just have done this naturally, they get it in an every other year rotation. And it's kind of like fresh for them every time, but then the catalog is new and fresh every time. We have some staff that are the same course every year, and it might fill every single year. So I'm, I think that's actually great. But I do think if every staff member had a couple options for them, I think the whole program would benefit a little bit, um, you know, just because I'd be able to say, oh, you know, you did that one last year, and the numbers were a little bit down, like, maybe why don't you do this one instead, or, hey, I already have, you know, three kind of in that same realm, you know, it'd be great if you did your, your off-year one this year instead, and I'll make sure that you can get that other one back. Um, that, that would be, I think, a benefit um, to the program as a whole. Can they repeat or not repeat? A staff? Can they repeat? Um, one like the next year, if they liked what they did the prior year, can they do a repeat or not? Right now, our staff can. Yeah, we have some staff who have taught the same room class. But students, we tell them not to. I will say, every once in a while, we find a student who chose it and we didn't catch it. But if we notice it, it's just that's one of those ones where I wish I had a better program for like catching all that. Yeah. Um, 
I would break from the get-go plan and budget for equity. Um, it is the big criticism, you know, if people are, are critical, like, well, it's just not fair that, you know, these, these students get to travel for two years and, you know, my student, you know, can't afford that. And it's the question that comes up. Um, I don't know about this. I sometimes wonder if we limited students to one travel experience. I think then some families would say, okay, you know, my kid didn't get to travel, but it's not like someone else traveled three years. Um, those are conversations that I'm kind of interested in. I don't know that we can pull back on that right now because there are some families that come in saying, okay, you're going to you know, travel for your junior and senior year, and that's going to be great. Um, same with you know, kind of our course offerings and things like that. We have really planned to not charge students for classes. The only courses we charge for are driver's training and the rock climbing class simply because... And we even wrap up a bulk of the cost of that. So the students who sign up for rock climbing do pay a small fee. And I always say, you know, we'll try to help you out if this is your, your dream and you can't afford it. So uh, I would really plan and budget for equity. Um, and I would really, like, think about travel carefully. Um, it's, I love it. Um, I love that a bunch of our students are gone for it because I think it makes the classes, you know, kind of better. They're smaller and they're a little more, you know, kind of, interactive, and so there's real benefits to it. But, you know, it also brings some headaches. Uh, I think if I were to go back to the beginning, I might um, come up with a bit of a, what is our mission for winter travel? And I don't know that we did that. I think, to be honest, when we first started, we thought, oh, this will be a cool thing, and we staff can propose trips, and we'll just see what happens. Well, over the last 10 years, we might have 20 trips proposed, and now we're in this place where, well, how do we choose which ones we're going to offer? And that gets staff feelings kind of hurt or frustrated, you know. I kind of wish from the get-go we had said, you know, we're always going to offer two service trips or maybe three service trips. We're always going to offer, you know, a couple cultural experiences, a couple more disciplinary. I really think, and maybe we'll do this someday, our service trips, we would also have staff not propose. We would just build a service trip, and, and staff can request to go, right now, and again, I'll, I'm, I don't want to say it's part of the problem, but the Jamaica Death Village trip, me and Jen Gunning led for, you know, two or three times, and she continues to lead, and she's great at it. I think everybody on staff should go to the Death Village for two weeks. I mean, I, I honestly think it's almost like unfair that because it was our idea, you know, other staff can't say, well, I'm going to propose that one next time, because, you know, everybody would be a little frustrated. I used to teach in Toronto, and they have an annual mission trip, and that's kind of their goal, is every staff member will go once every X number of years, and then you get, I think, real kind of partnership between the places you're serving and your school. And I just think it would be so cool that a staff member could come home and say, oh, you went there last year, you remember this person? And, you know, really cool conversations. Again, we're not there, um, but I kind of sometimes wonder if we, we could be. And then the last thing, um, I tell staff all the time, like, dream big. What do you want to do? Let's, let's come up with an idea. Um, and I love brainstorming ideas with staff. Um, you find that some staff, because of what they teach, they just don't think about field trips at all. So sitting down with them and saying, well, what if you went to the art museum? What if you went here? And they're like, oh, oh that's a great idea. And they're just tech-wise, you know, what do you want to try to do? You'd be amazed what students can do. I don't hesitate to just call people in the community. You know, like, hey, I got this idea, and this is what we do, and it's amazing how receptive people are. Um, so, yeah, the college visit experience is one that, like, 
And at first it was like, oh, we never thought about that. And now I think it'll be a part of what we do every single year. Um, I mentioned Coursera. Um, last year, because of COVID, we wanted some more students off campus. Take an online course. Um, you know, sit at home, and we had a staff member kind of check in with them every other day. How you doing? Where are you at? Let me take a look at your, you know, kind of coursework. We try things. If they don't work, well, then we don't try them the next year. But When planning travel, do you work with an agency like EF, or is it all staff-planned, or... Both, maybe? Both. So our staff um, propose the trips, and then our committee kind of looks at all the proposals, and then we decide which ones we're going to propose to the students. Some of our staff will pick an EF or an Explorica trip, and they'll say, this is the one I want to propose, and there's some real benefits to that. Some staff will say, I'm going to design the whole thing, we're going to rent a you know, VRBO, we're going to you know, get transportation this way, and there's some real benefits to that. Um, so both of those things happen. Um, yeah, there's a few things we've kind of learned along the way. Um, we really push when we use those travel companies. Uh, the goal is to make it as affordable to students as possible. And so some of those companies offer, you know, kickbacks to teachers who, you know, lead trips and things. And we say, this is your contract. That kickback comes back into the trip budget, um, which was, you know, fine. I mean, they're like, yeah, I didn't know I was going to get a kickback anyway. Um, yeah, a staff member who wants to kind of build a trip all together, we're going to really encourage them. Okay, we've got to think about insurance here. You don't have the protection of that big company, you know, like let's make sure we walk through some of these things. And so we've got some companies, travel insurance companies, that we encourage them to reach out to and, and plan accordingly. So, yeah, both of those things happen. Any other questions? Um, how about during COVID, um, did you find that was a little bit of a block? I mean, we're still kind of in that piece. Yeah. So do you find that people are hesitant to have kids come, or they're concerned about liability? Uh, yes. So um, last year, we were ready to roll out trips when COVID happened. And so the timing was actually, I hate to say perfect that we went through a pandemic, but the timing was good, and that we just canceled trips very quickly. And then we postponed Winterham. We initially said we're not going to do it in January because we were actually fully virtual for the first you know, three weeks of last January. And then we did it before spring break. Um, this year, we're planning on doing everything as normal as possible. I do think that's why we have half as many interns. Um, the medical interns in particular, it's really hard to come by right now. Um, and a lot of other, I think, people are just saying, yeah, I just don't know what that's going to look like. And so, Or students are just saying, I don't want to deal with what that might look like. We're doing travel. Uh, we had to cancel one of our trips already. Um, Vietnam's borders have been closed since March of 2020, and so last month we had 15 students who were hoping to go to Vietnam. We officially kind of had to pull the plug on that one. We have a bunch of trips where we had to tell families you must be vaccinated in order to travel, and so we had some families pull out of trips, but those trips are still going to go. Um, we have some trips, you know, because of the nation's rules, they can still go to, even if they're not vaccinated, but we're still still trying to iron out all the details. Uh, you know, there's going to be PCR tests, you know, there's going to be rapid tests, there's going to be all kinds of stuff. Um, I know you weren't, you weren't leaving it the first couple years, but do you know the first couple times they did it, like, how many different things did they offer? Was it a lot more limited? Or did they start with just like local ones and then branch out? 
it has definitely gotten easier to fill the catalog every year yes. because guest instructors love it. They just come back. Yeah. Um, so I do know that first year, I remember Brad just coming to me and saying, can you please offer two, like please? And I was like, okay. So I taught two classes the first year, um, and I've done that a few times actually. Um, so I do think the catalog was a little harder in year one, and that's why planning, you know, like not just the, that, that year in advance, but maybe really thinking two years out, like let's make sure that we know we've got enough to offer. Because um, keeping the class size as small is huge. We cap at 18, unless a staff member says, you know, this is really a 14-person class. Um, we try to keep them a little bit smaller. So I do know the first year or two, Brad was, you know, always actively pursuing, and now I'm still always like listening, but I'm not out. I'm usually looking to fill holes as opposed to just, I'll take anything that you know anybody wants to offer. But when we first started, we both had, everybody had to propose two classes. Oh, right? did they? Yeah. Oh, I didn't remember that. At the very beginning. I remember, you know, way, like, the year before we even started. Like, I thought that was my good idea. Well, I thought we had to do it. And, <laughs> and I just got asked to teach both. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any others? How long have you done this? This will be our 10th winter up. January will be our 10th. I'm just thinking, how do we pull two weeks out of our school calendar? I said, and that was one of the you know, things that we, we weren't sure about. When we decided to do this, we debated between doing the end of the year and January, and we decided on January largely because we thought the buy-in at the end of the year wouldn't be there. And it became the ultimate in blessings in that the two weeks after January, where you're like reviewing and taking exams, to be honest, like, what are we doing here anyway? It's it's the perfect place to do two weeks of winterum, get those exams done before Christmas. So and are your semesters uneven then? No, so we start a little early and we have the semester finished before Christmas, and then the two weeks of winterum, you know, happen the first two weeks of January, and then our second semester is roughly the same as our first. So our schedule shifted a bit. We start mid-August or whatever. Yeah, and I feel like we tried to steal a week from each semester. I yeah. mean, that was kind of a goal. Steal one from each semester, but... Yeah. But that ending before Christmas was massive. And, you know, the kind of... The reality is, you got this much material to teach, and you're told to teach it in this amount of space, you're just going to, you know, make choices of what's the most important, and you're going to go a little quicker. And I think the biggest pushback has been the AP sometimes feels like, oh, my goodness, this is tough. Some of our AP teachers offer winterum as, you know, AP prep. So you'll see AP Calc has a scribe for the five in there, and our AP stats teacher offers games, uh, movies, skiing, and statistics, where they'll go skiing, and they'll do, like, recording of stuff, and they'll come back and say, like, let's look at the numbers. And they'll watch a movie, and, you know, kind of it'll have some stats in it, and then they'll talk about, you know, how do they incorporate those things. So, yeah. How did you initially get the money for it? Like, was it slowly added to the budget over several years, or was it like donation? Well, like, now it's a part of the budget, so it's yes. normal. But uh, and that is a question that I would check with. Uh, that so that was before my time, obviously. Yeah. It is just built into our budget, but I think it was set from the beginning. So okay. I don't know whether it was donor led. Although we have since, and this is something that I need to follow up on a little more, or have our admin follow up on. Now the community, like we, I regularly have people come to me and say, in fact, we had um, one parent this year say, winter travel has been so good for my family, I want to send seven kids on a trip this year. And she just wrote a check. So we have seven students who maybe would have struggled to afford a trip, just get told, where do you want to go? Um, now, I don't know that that's the ideal scenario, because, you know, but <laughs> yeah. if she can't spend her money that way, she would have done it anyway. 
Um, but yeah, so I don't, that's, that's more of a, maybe Brad would know how it started a little better. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I kept you too long. Don't hesitate to email me. If you got questions, if you need your sketches form filled, Terry's right over there. If you want to watch all the videos you didn't get to see, they're on the website.